unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm great, and I'm so glad to be here. I am glad that you're here, and we've been dealing with a little bit of technical issues. Hopefully, we'll, everything will go smoothly from this point forward, because we've got a very special surprise lined up for the listeners today. Play a fly on the wall and turn it over to you. Indeed, we do. We've got a very good show today, because our special guest is Thomas Dean Donnelly, an experienced Hollywood screenwriter. He's also a teacher of writing all across the country, ranging from back east at Long Island University, to out west here at the University of Southern California, and many spots in between. But Tom's screenwriting credits are even more mind-boggling. He's been at it for over 25 years, and projects he's written for have grossed in excess of a billion dollars around the world. He's worked on franchises ranging from Marvel's Doctor Strange to The Walking Dead, and he's adapted the classic works of writers including Ray Bradbury, Stan Lee, and Robert E. Howard. So it's a bit of an understatement to say he's been around the block and he knows what he's talking about. Today, he'll share some of his adventures in the film world with us and give us some powerful screenwriting story secrets, plus reveal the best single solution for writer's block I've ever heard of. And I know that's what you came to hear, but by now you should have also learned to expect to now hear this copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. So, Tom, welcome and thanks for being here. And when we talked before, I was very interested to find out that we have a connection, mutual connection through the Boy Scouts that actually got you connected with some of us in copywriting. So before we jump into all the great writing stuff, could you tell us about that personal connection? Yeah, sure. Um, I was an assistant scoutmaster at Troop 50 in Los Angeles, California. And in comes this guy, this weird sort of dude, just one of these guys that anything I was talking about, he was fascinated by, which for me is definitely one of those signifiers that my ears prick up immediately when there's somebody that, that has a general fascination with life, because I'm the same way. But also somebody that seemed to be able to talk about anything. His name was Bond Halbert. Bond Halbert? The Bond Halbert, son of Gary Halbert. Yeah, Bond and I became fast friends. And to hear him talk about it, I've been trying to kill him for 10 years. I have, we have been stranded on wild parts of the Colorado River in kayaks. We have been subject to rock slides during the mountain climbing. (laughs) You name it. I've tried to murder that man more ways than anybody. But yeah, Bond was one of these guys that uh, when he comes over to my office, we play board games uh, once a week. Uh, I think it's really important for, especially after the pandemic, for people to get together non virtually 
you know, in real life and, and hang out. It's good for our mental health. It's good for our stability. And when he comes over, he's always looking at my walls and I have charts and diagrams and all sorts of things, story related. And the guy pulls out a notepad all the time and is always writing down stuff. And I said, are you stealing from me? He goes, yeah, absolutely. I'm, this is amazing stuff. This is perfect for copywriting. And he got it into my head that a lot of the stuff that I teach, a lot of stuff that I talk about isn't just for screenwriters. So there you go. Oh, that's great. Thank you. You know, I got to say, you've been successful at just about everything I know that you've done, but I'm not sure what your future is as a hitman. Okay. Yeah. Seriously, let's talk about the movies you're working on. You, you've got a couple that are close to release. What uh, are we working on right now? Well, much like all the other industries, we hit a global pause last year. But I've been fortunate that, uh, you know, part of the thing is uh, writing for 25 years, you're kind of like the old gladiator, right? You've been in the most competitive writing field that there is in the world. And if you've been around for 25 years, you may be older, you may be slower, but you've probably picked up a trick or two. And so I'm still getting hired. I, I'm writing a pilot for an N NBC television series. Can't really talk about that, unfortunately. I am doing a universal film for the producers of The Fast and The Furious. That's going to be exciting. But the thing I've had the most fun this year with is writing a movie for Jackie Chan. What do they say? Um, the exuberance and energy of youth is no match for the treachery and experience of age. Something <laughs> exactly. Except for Jackie Chan, of course. I mean, it's one of those things. They say never meet your heroes, right? And working in, in this industry, I've seen that both be 100% true, and I'm not going to slag off anybody, but I've also seen it be completely false. And there is nobody that lives up to every expectation you have of them more than Jackie Chan. He is one of these people that when you're in the room with him and you're breaking story and talking with him, he is just so positive and just so full of this amazing energy. It's, it's absolutely infectious. And, you know, I came out of the first time I met him saying, I don't think I can love this guy anymore. And every time I've met him since, it's just been better and better. Can you tell us something he's said or something he's done that was interesting or unique? Yeah, well, well, first of all, he's an older guy now. I mean, he's well into his probably late 60s. But when we're talking about a scene, when we're talking about a moment, he's not sitting down at the conference table anymore. He's up and he's jumping around and he's acting things out. He knocked a water bottle off the table and then with lightning fast reflexes caught it before it, it hit the ground. And I will say that the one thing I, I noticed about him is that lots of times when you're pitching stars, ideas, stories, moments, things like that, uh, they tend to be very protective of their character, their brand, their this and the other thing. So you're pitching to a lot of no's. Jackie was not that way. Jackie was very much uh, exactly what I want in a brainstorming session. I want a lot of yeses. I want a lot of yes ands. And he was just full of that. He, he could not have been more positive in taking the ideas that we had and rather than rejecting them, pushing them, tweaking them, turning them and seeing where, where they go. It's amazing. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess in, in screenwriting, just like in copywriting, so much of what you're going to write depends on the person you're writing with or writing for and how open they are, especially with copy. But I'm sure also in the movies, wild ideas that um, are, you know, unexpected now the norm and might be kind of risky. Yeah. I mean, uh, the movie business is such a big industry, right? It, it costs 
for a lot of the movies I write, it costs $150, $200 million to make these films. So the number of people that have a list of things we can't do or things that we have to do suddenly becomes quite vast, you know, but you know, it's one of those things they say screenwriting is the second best paying form of writing out there. There's going to be some qualifications to that. The first is ransom notes. That's exactly right. You know, the joke. (laughs) Yeah. Cause we say the same thing about advertising, but I think you guys are closer to the mark on that. Okay, good. Well, wow, I could go on so much longer with this, and I know everyone's interested in that, but let's talk about story, because that's really one of the places where copywriting and screenwriting intersect, as well as all of humanity, I would suppose. Yeah, it's one of the two things... I'm focusing on in in teaching. I've not been teaching for that long, but I've been I've consulted for years and years and years. I consult in the video game industry, VR. I've, I've consulted with individual writers, both novelists and screenwriters, with a focus on on story and what it is. There's there's something kind of alchemical, right? It's not science. Story is something that you have to. Uh, there's an art to it, and you have to be able to find it. I heard a great quote from. I can't remember who now, that art is fire plus algebra. I mean, there's some structure to it, but you know, there's all that alchemy too. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. But, but what I found is, you know, doing this for, for 25 years in the, the gladiator pit that is Hollywood, you pick up a few things and you learn better algebraic formulas to use your, to use your model. And Mm -hmm. sometimes you find a way to control that fire in a very particular way. Which it's really interesting because actually those are the two things that I focus on. I focus on teaching story and I focus on writing productivity, which I think is the fire part of that equation. Absolutely. So give us some tips on story. Um, I don't know how much further it's gone with you and Bond in copywriting, but have you seen stories in VSLs or sales letters? And you have any things that you think most of us ought to know? Yeah, I, I think more and more I'm seeing in uh, direct mail copy and all of that sort of stuff and in web advertising, I'm seeing story becoming a larger element in there. And it should be. It should be. It's it, Story is what circumvents the logic process of the human brain. It is a main line to your heart. It's a main line to your needs, to your desires, to your pain points. Nothing can hit those. Nothing can reach those as quickly as story can. And so uh, one of the things that I was talking with Bond recently, and he said that's something that copywriters would want to know about, is the idea of congruity versus incongruity, which, and it goes toward authenticity and it goes toward belief. The idea is that when human beings make a story up, we impose false order. We put things in a way and we make them more ordered than they would be in real life, right? <laughs> I love that. Well, there's a, the coin flip experiment. If I sat you down and I said, I want you to write down on this page 100 f- coin flip results, make them up in your mind, you know, what a coin would flip right? And try to make it as close to what an actual coin flip would be, because I'm going to pay you a nickel for every guess you get right, right? And you do your best to create a random 100 results of the coin. And then somebody else at the same time in another room is flipping an actual coin. 
every single time you will be able to tell which one was the one that a person did and which one was the one that a coin did. Do you know why? No. It's because the it's because the person who is guessing what the coin flip will do doesn't have any runs. They don't have long runs. In actual reality, actual randomness will have a coin that'll flip heads 11 times in a row. In a 100 coin sequence, 11 in a row is not unusual. It will happen. But we impose this false order. We think that randomness has to flip back over to the other side. So we'll generally, when we're pre- predicting what's going to happen, we're never going to go more than five or six heads or tails in a row before we flip it back over. We're trying to balance things in a way that true randomness doesn't do. And guess what? That's what happens in stories as well. When we're writing stories, we are imposing a false order. And we want that. We want congruity, right? The best stories in the world are stories where we want something in the beginning of the story. And by the end of the story, we get it. Maybe not in the way we expected, but in the way that we want to. There's something very, there's something great and very healing about that in that sense that there is more than just chaos in the world, right? But for belief and for trust, we need incongruity. We need to see those 11 flips that are heads in a row and to marvel at that because those are the sorts of things that make things feel real, right? There's an expression, surely they could not have made that up, right? That happens when you're telling a true story, right? And in screenwriting, and I think in copywriting, belief and trust are a really important factor, right? Oh, the most important. I mean, I I guess what you're saying, and I'm, I'm reading a really interesting book right now, uh, for a book discussion group called Deep Survival. And he talks about this, uh, Lawrence Gonzalez, a wonderful book, scary as hell. But he talks about the randomness of nature and the fact that we want to, and I blame Descartes for this, we want to keep all of these things in very logical order, kind of neat and tidy, but random shit happens. And it's maybe beyond our ability to predict it, like a lot. But when random shit happens in a believable way in your copy, wow, that really works. And I'm sure the same thing's true in your story, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. So when I'm adapting a true story, what oftentimes I'm getting when I'm reading uh, somebody's memoir or something like that, I'm reading the congruous, right? I'm reading the story that is A plus B equals C, and that's the way the story goes. What I want to do in order to tell my story properly is I want to look for the incongruity. And you can do this in uh, copywriting and advertising as well. What you want to do is you want to ask your subject. You want to ask the the people that are, are hiring you. Ask them questions that get towards those incongruities, towards those little quirks that make it real. And adding just one or two of those does such a good job of you no longer need to add grains of salt to keep people buying in, to keep people believing that it's real. A classic example in movies is uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Indiana Jones, right? In the very opening scene, he is going into this temple and there are all these uh, spiders, tarantulas on his back, and he's just sloughing them off like no problem whatsoever. There's insects and there's this all sorts of gross stuff, and he seems to be unaffected and unfazed by anything right but at the very end of the scene after escaping the mob and of hovidos warriors he makes it into a plane and there's a snake in the cockpit with him and he freaks out terrified of snakes right that's incongruity that is a classic example of incongruity and because of that one moment it makes 
everything that we've seen up until then feel more real. We buy into Indiana Jones, not as a caricature, but as a real life character. Yeah, he's fearless, except when it comes to snakes, right? Yeah, exactly right. And then they're able to bring that back at a later point. At the moment when he's about to find the the Ark of the Covenant, what is the one last barrier between him and the Covenant? A floor full of snakes. Exactly right. Um, that's what life is like, though, right? Everybody has these contradictions and finding a contradiction, whether it's in a product, in how a business came to be, whether it's in a person, these contradictions are part of life. And by embracing those and by leaning into those and by seeking those out, we make our stories feel that much more real and that much more impactful because in our bones, we know that to be true. This is gold. Thank you. One other thing quickly before we move to writer's block, which I think is going to be worth the price of admission. That's only a phrase because no one's paying for this. But when we were preparing for this on the phone, you talked about different kinds of stories. And you said the one that you think is probably going to work best in copywriting is the transformational story. Could you go over that briefly? Yes. Hundred percent. So when you're writing movies, when you're writing stories in general, to some degree, they have different flavors. They have different tastes, much like wine, right? There's wine that is fruit forward, right? There's wine that's uh, tannin forward and so on and so forth. In movies, you're pretty much going to have a movie that is either plot forward. Most mysteries are plot forward, right? That's the main thing that we're doing. Character forward. Stories of often great character change. Scarface, a great example of a character-forward movie. Uh, Theme-forward, stories where what the movie is about is the most important thing. Um, Requiem for a Dream is uh, a crash. These are movies that are about drug addiction and racism and, and things like that. Uh, and then spectacle forward, you know, movies like Armageddon or Titanic. I mean, where the event itself and the amazing things that we're going to see are the biggest thing. Um, but I found that what we're doing these days in, in Hollywood, when we're doing it right, we are telling transformational arc stories, which means that no matter whether we're focusing on the plot or character or theme or whatever, we are focused on making sure that somewhere within that story, we have a character that begins with a flaw. We have a character that begins with a problem. And that problem is not an external problem. That problem is an internal problem. They are dealing with their life in the wrong way. And maybe it's worked for a long time, but it's no longer working for them. And over the course of the story, like a bonfire of the vanities, they're going to have to burn away and kill off that thing that is holding them back. And by the end of the story, we see that they are transformed and changed. And in the super basic way, that's the transformational arc. And David, I have noticed that your templates very clearly and concisely incorporate transformational arcs. So I was like, I was, I was like, yes, yes, they get it. That's awesome. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and I loved uh, bonfire. I love bonfire of the vanities that, that book put me in a trance when I was reading it. What a story. All right, let's get to the biggest solution of a problem. I think we're going to have today, which is you call it super draft, right? Yes, yes. Uh, Superdraft is, uh, so I'll just start by saying it. I suffered from writer's block. Well, I sold the very first feature-length screenplay I ever wrote. And people, uh, I tell all my students, all of the people I consult with, do not 
expect that to happen. I've never heard of it happening before. Uh, and it was amazing. It started off my career really early, fairly young. But it also is a double-edged sword because I was thrown into the deep end before I was really ready. And I was consumed by writer's block. I was consumed by uh, imposter syndrome. And it almost stopped my career before it ever began. Uh, so I began to study what we knew about productivity. And strangely enough, most productivity uh, studies did not deal with creative productivity, which is a very different animal. So I started to put together Superdraft. And what Superdraft is a methodology for writing to completion, writing better, writing faster, and getting through those early drafts. Basically, when it comes right down to it, I believe that all examples of writer's block come from trying to get too good too soon. Does that make sense to you? It does, because you've already explained it to me, but explain <laughs> what too good too soon. Do you mean in a career or on a project? No, on a project. What the, the job of the first draft is to be done. The job of subsequent drafts is to get good, right? There is magic in the first draft and people rarely ever see it because what they're trying to do is they're trying to make it perfect. They're trying to make it great in the first draft. And the truth of the matter is we have two voices in our head. We have the creator and we have the critic. And the problem is, is that we tend to listen to the wrong voice at the wrong time. When you are doing a first draft of any projects, whether it's copywriting or writing a, a book or an autobiography or even nonfiction, it doesn't matter what it is. That first draft, that first pass needs to be creator heavy. You have to be able to shut out that critic. And Superdraft is all about finding ways to quiet the critic voice so that the creator voice can come through and allow you to do that. And we do that with writing sprints. We do that with a variety of different techniques, but it's all about allowing that creator to come through and for you to write quickly enough to get through that first pass. There's two things that that does. Number one is happy accidents happen when you're writing quickly and you're letting the creator happen. You never get a, a truly unexpected event if your critic voice is operating and you're just muscling your way through text. But if you are writing quickly, you will look back and you'll say, well, I have to change that. I have to change that. I have to change that. But then you'll be like, oh my God, look at that. I didn't, I didn't even know I wrote that. That is amazing. That is something I can build off of, which is crazy good. But then the second thing that writing quickly in those early drafts do is it makes rewriting what rewriting is supposed to be. You step back, you look at the whole text, and there is nothing that is sacred, right? Everything is changeable. Everything is editable. Everything can be shaped and rethought of in to become the best project that it can possibly be. When you muscle through a first draft and you take a long time with it, everything becomes precious. And you are basically, your mind doesn't want to change the things that you work so hard on. And the reality is, is that you should be, you should constantly be improving on a thought. Because for me, when people say, oh my God, that, that moment in that movie, that was genius. I tell them, yeah, that was my 10th idea, right? <laughs> my first idea wasn't that good. My third idea wasn't that good. My eighth idea was starting to get pretty good. It wasn't until I continually challenged myself to top that, to top that. Can I top that? Can I do better? Can I get better? Can I have this thing? Can I tie this into this other theme? Can I tie this into this other situation that's going on in the story? Can I do a callback to something that happened early? And by doing that, that's where the genius 
of story. That's where the genius of writing comes in. It comes in in the future drafts and in sticking with it. And the key to that is allowing a first draft to be bad, to be quick, to be quick and dirty and to and to let it sing in its own way. Well, I, I hope people are taking you to heart because I know a lot of copywriters write under a lot of pressure and a lot of people put it off to the last minute, but I think they put it off the last minute so they don't have to hear the, the critic. But if they say, hey, critic, you get to come in after I'm done with the first draft, and I'm sure you have a much better way to do that, might help. So you have Superdraft and consulting services and so forth available to individuals. Could you talk about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. My website is seven minute screenwriter. You can either, uh, I spell it out, but I, I own both seven with the number and, and seven with the letters, but seven minute screenwriter is a website that we're just starting up right now. It has consulting services. As I've uh, told you, I've, I've done that with the video game industry and, and so on and so forth, helping them nail their story. I've done that with individual writers, helping them with writer's block, helping them just become more productive. We, we have people that uh, we worked with that have gone from writing one novel every two years to writing a novel every three months. I mean, it, there have been amazing changes that we've seen with that. We also offer a script analysis services and not just script, but book manuscript and analysis services where I take my brain trust my writer's circle, those are the people that for 25 years now have been the first people to read what I wrote and are just geniuses at nailing problems and not just nailing problems, but coming up with solutions. Um, we're putting together writer retreats as well. So uh, imagine taking a vacation. Bond and I are going to Panama in about a month because Bond has a book to write. And so I'm going to write a book. He's going to write a book. We may have a couple more people that come down. And in one week, we are each going to super draft an entire book. And at the same time, to reward ourselves each day, we are going to go on adventures and, and do some amazing things. Okay, so this is a callback. If he finishes his book before you finish yours, promise me you won't kill him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, listen, people fall into the canal. It happens. We'll see. <laughs> Bond, I hope you're watching this. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, I, uh, there's a there's a blog there as well. Uh, you've seen a lot of my posts on my Facebook page. Uh, basically, yeah, I'm, I'm taking those posts, which people have found to be kind of inspirational sometimes, and uh, put them up there as well. So it's it, it's meant to be seven minute screenwriter is meant to be sort of a a one stop shop for uh, for writing solutions. Really, so there you go. That, that sounds great. Well, we've got. We're going to put that in the show notes, sevenminutescreenwriter.com. That's um, correct. To get, to get in touch with Thomas. And also, see if you can get him to friend you on Facebook, Thomas Dean Donnelly. He has some great posts there, too. I don't know if you're planning to continue. I hope you are, because those are just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I normally do those posts as I'm walking in the morning. I do a, a beach walk most mornings from you know 6 a.m. I, I, I like to see the sun come up uh, over the Pacific. But I have plantar fasciitis right now, so I've uh, I've been laid low for a month. So. Well, I'll be back. I'll be back. Okay. Well, I'll be waiting. Hope your plantar fasciitis heals up. And thank you so much. Nathan, anything you wanted to add or ask before we go? Talking to the point of writing quick and getting it out there and then going back and editing. Who was it that said, write drunk and edit sober? That was uh, that was Ernest Hemingway, Papa. The only thing is, is that he said that in jest because he never wrote drunk. Interestingly enough, he meant that metaphorically, not actually. What he would do is he would uh, he would write, he would edit, 
And then he would drink the entire rest of the day. So but he definitely he respected his craft too much to actually write drunk. He meant that in he meant that in a metaphorical sense, very much like what I'm talking about, like like just create wildly, then edit soberly. Right. That's what he was talking about. Awesome. Thomas, thank you again for coming on. If people want to check out your website one more time, what is it? Where can they find it? Yes, it is seven minute screenwriter dot com check it out. And thanks so much. And and David, I did say that I found your templates to be very interesting. I just want to echo that one more time and say that I thought that what you were doing in terms of transformational arc story construction for your industry is fantastic. I was blown away. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, an unsolicited testimonial. <laughs> awesome. And if you want to check out more episodes of this podcast, you can find it over at copywriterspodcast.com. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Before we go, a quick question Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network. 